0: welcome to our first installment of still good on Tuesday now that's kind of a strange name maybe for a podcast uh, we're actually kind of picking up some things that uh, some maybe some doors that got opened a little bit on Sunday with the uh, with the service a message and uh, sometimes I think it'll give us an opportunity to expand and deepen some of the stuff, the content that we talk about. It may give uh, may give the pastor an occasional chance to fix something that was said, <laughs> uh, and give us a chance to a little bit of a do over. But uh, and, and I, I hope you'll enjoy this. We started a series on Sunday on Titus, and the purpose was, uh, I mean, the overarching purpose in my mind is to kind of address some issues that are coming up for us as a church family and transition, me transitioning out, a new pastor transitioning in, and all of that, all that is involved in that. Um, And, you know, I wanted to address some deeper issues that go along with that, but I was surprised yesterday, frankly, I I got a lot of feedback from people uh, about the the leadership piece that Mm -hmm. we talked about in Titus, that had nothing to do with church. It had nothing to do with with the, the the pastoral transition or any of that it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with their life. People that said, I never saw myself as a leader. I never thought about myself being a leader. Mm-hmm. I never thought about the fact that me having influence means I'm a leader. And uh, I think some people began to rethink themselves in terms of you know, what does leadership really mean in their home and in their workplace and those kinds of things. So so I thought that was really interesting. I was just kind of an unintended side of it. I just didn't see that necessarily uh, rising out of this, but but it's a really good thing and I'm so glad it did. It, it's given some already some good conversations that have started. But but we're gonna talk specifically today, a little bit more specifically about about leadership in the church, leadership in the local church, and some of the issues that are that are current that are causing. You know, I, I made a statement in the in the message that um, we're in a leadership crisis. Yeah, in churches today, and we are. Uh, it's it's. I think the leadership crisis is a, a meta crisis. I think it's everywhere. Every, every any place there's leadership. There's a crisis with that leadership right now. I don't know what that's about. I don't know what's in the water, but it's certainly affecting church life as well. But uh, we're trying to just go back into God's Word. We're looking at a little short book of Titus, but it is very deceptively short. It's short, but it is a there's a lot of content in just a very few verses, uh, and God's Word can be that way sometimes. Titus, we talked yesterday just about the introduction, which was uh, the first four verses. And this is one of the longest introductions that Paul does in any of his New Testament letters. So uh, that I find that very interesting, too. But we, we kind of leaned into some issues that came out of Titus yesterday. And one of the things was talking about the young man Titus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just talking about uh, just the kind of person that he was, uh, how he was different, how his particular gift set Matched some things that Paul needed. Uh, every pastor, every leader doesn't have the same set of gifts. We don't all move in the same direction. We don't all do the same things. But, um, but anyway, you guys had some had some thoughts, some questions you wanted to kind of start with, and let's kind of roll
1: from there, and we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe maybe just start off the bat with just this relationship between Paul and Titus. You mentioned um, the crisis of leadership. Mm-hmm. How, how much of that is generational? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. every generation switching from younger to older, there's a feel of some leadership crisis issues, and then what yeah. specific things do you see going on currently? You know, in yeah, our okay. society,
0: yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, Titus. First of all, Titus very interesting character. He is not Jewish. He does does not have a Jewish background. There there are those who believe that Titus was the test case that got taken to the Jerusalem Council in Acts right. chapter fifteen. Mm-hmm. So does a Jewish convert have to become a, or does a a Gentile convert have to become Jewish to actually be a Christian? And that was the debate in the Jerusalem council. And the the test case was, here's Titus, and Titus is a Gentile, and he is is not circumcised. He has not officially become a Jew, but yet God's working in, in some incredible ways through his life. Yeah. Um, so we don't know for sure that that was the case, but it, there there are those who believe that he was the kind of the, uh, the the first kite that got flown on that. Just trying to deal with that question of how what do we do with Jewish converts that are not necessarily following uh, or Gentile converts not following Judaism. So so that's part of it. Um, but yeah, I think that that um, I, I don't know that the generational divide was as much of an issue in the New Testament church as it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the respect of elders and the, the understanding of just, I mean, of older people, there weren't a lot of, I mean, older people in biblical times were usually people in their 50s, yeah. you know, so it wasn't like you saw 80 and 90-year-old guys running around. It just didn't happen very often because of life expectancy issues. But uh, but I think that there was, there was a respect for men like Paul, you know, on the part of young men like Titus and Timothy, that, that probably is not quite as prevalent today. I think there's some suspicion today between generations, uh, a sense that, I mean, you guys are both millennials, uh, I'm a boomer, so there's, there's this sense of, you know, you don't really understand me, I don't understand you, you know, we don't really speak the same language, mm-hmm. we don't think about things in the same way. And certainly that creates tension in leadership in the church, especially in terms of a handoff
2: of leadership and the baton passing kind of thing. Um, Yeah, you've talked about uh, this even before um, in leading with our staff even just. This is the only time that we've had five generations in the church at once. Yes. Where Mm -hmm. literally people are living much, much longer. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I forget the guy's name, but he had written a book and we were studying it. And it was all about, wait, your turn is broken. Where the older generation, where they would have retired, say, come into their early mm-hmm. 60s, here they are in their 70s and 80s, and they're still hanging on and leading. And so then you've got guys who would have taken up leadership in their mid 20s are now almost in their 40s and haven't mm-hmm. gotten to take up the same roles of leadership that older generations had taken. Yeah. And there is a general distrust because the culture is so different between your generation and my mm-hmm. generation that, you know, sometimes just communicating is weird, mm-hmm. I, I feel. Yeah, it can be. And and I, uh,
0: I mean, there are, I, I will be very quick to admit there are issues that are happening that I, I'm never going to understand. I'm never going to get my head around them. I can academically understand them, intellectually understand them. I can't emotionally embrace some of the things that are happening that are important in the world today. And, and I, I just have not, you know, I've I'm, I'm not walked in, in that, in that world like you guys have. I, I just mm-hmm. don't, you know, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out how to, work my iPhone so you know I mean there's just stuff that stuff that has to happen and I'm real I'm honestly part of that is going into my you know my decision to go ahead and and step aside right now because I really think uh, we need a younger guy that can come in and go okay I, I get this I understand these kinds of issues and I can get my head around that and understand that now, some people say, oh, no, we need the old guy. Well, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm for you, you know, if that's if that's the way you feel. I, you know, I appreciate that. But I, I'm just—I'm trying to look at the future of this church, what's in the best interest of this church. And I don't want to be the guy that's hanging around when he's 80 years old and going, you should have left, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm trying to, trying to take that issue out of the way. but but it's you know some of it is it is a generational drop of you know just a breakdown of communication a breakdown of understanding between us and and uh, and you know some of that you just have to talk through and pray through and walk through but but uh, i think it can breed a distrust between people you know who are going well this guy is telling me what to do but he really doesn't get my world he really mm-hmm. doesn't understand my issues and and as much as we try there are there's certain levels that you just can't go and understand somebody else's generation. So I can read about it, but can't understand it.
2: You know, at the same time, and Dan, you can talk to this too, as as younger guys, um, even though we might have our finger more on the pulse of trends and and things like that with the culture, with everything that's changed, 2020 really kind of threw us for a loop. Mm -hmm. And where we thought things were going, now they're not. And, and, you know, they've been throwing around that that VUCA acronym everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I feel like I need you know, some age and some wisdom who's someone who's seen stuff in various different cultural things like I I didn't go through the sixties or seventies and some of the turmoil that our country went through. And so I have no idea kind of how to lead through some of that. And so like, I don't know, that's something I'm feeling. I don't know. Are you getting kind of that
1: vibe of in some ways not old enough or not experienced enough? I mean, I think, I think whenever you think about generational leaders and divide of different ages, I think, I think technology and, and, um, you know, we, we define a lot of our generations lately based on um, the internet and things like that. But you know, there is a lot of of divide amongst the generations on social issues as well, and 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 going through different things that happen in our culture and in society. And um, yeah, I definitely think 2020 um, has caused a lot of. Of issues, some of which we know, some of which we still don't understand, and we're still yeah. trying to figure out. We're still yeah. trying to understand how um, uh, some of these um, generations just kind of went in in a pause mode, and and some are still trying to, to to wrap their head around what exactly happened. And so, I do think your your topic about how lots of people, um, anyone that has influence, can be a leader. But I do think when we when we think about Paul and we think about Titus. They they had specific roles and positions of leadership, and um, and and you know sometimes the older and the younger generation just it, it's a hard it's a hard thing for them to work together uh, in a leadership position. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: well, one of the things I like about the Paul and Titus piece is that they you know I mean Paul just released Titus mm-hmm. I'm leaving. You know, I'm not going yeah. to. You know, they they didn't have the internet to keep up with each other. They didn't have uh, you know phones mm-hmm. they could use. Right. He just said, "I'm going to leave you here,
1: yeah.
0: and you're in charge. You're the guy." And and that, I mean, it wasn't just, "Hey, here's this 30 member church you get to run." Uh, he left Titus in charge of churches, yeah. plural, in Crete, uh, in Crete of all places. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know, this this was not like a, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. Certainly, you know, the, there was another situation in Corinth where Paul also sent Titus to Corinth to deal with the problems there. Yeah. So it's not like this was Titus's first rodeo. I mean, he'd been here before, but this was uh, this was a big deal. I mean, to get that kind of a uh, an assignment as a young man, I'm assuming he would be a, you know, a couple of decades younger than Paul, or a couple of uh, you know, maybe 20, 25 years younger than Paul anyway. Let me go back to your statement about 2020. You know, 2020 is the great leveler. Yeah. Um, it, there's a sense of which, you know, I was going through my library the other day, and and I'm looking at all the books that I now have that are useless, because pretty much <laughs> most of the books that were written, especially the pragmatic books, mm-hmm. the how-to books mm-hmm. uh, that were written before 2020, are useless. They, mm-hmm. they don't they don't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look good on my shelf. They make me look smarter, but That's they right. but they're not helping because they're not their their information is just not. So you know we had we're all. In a sense, we got pushed back to square one at 2020, and we're having to walk our way out of it. There, we all are now living in a world. You know, you use the VUCA acronym. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure everybody understands. That's the word VUCA. The the acronym VUCA is for volatile, um, unpredictable, mm-hmm. chaotic, and ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And those those words define where we are right now as a culture. That's who we are, where we are as a culture. And we're having to lead into that. We're having to lead a church into that. Uh, and, and there's a reality. I'm working with uh, church planters. I'm doing assessments with church planters for NAM now. And, you know, one of the things that we just tell these guys is, you're writing a book. You know, we don't—you're in a brand-new world. Mm. And, you know, we don't have a rule book for this. We don't know— I mean, God's Word is always there. It's always going to be, you know, it's always going to stand supreme. But we don't have a how-to. How do you plant a church in this kind of culture? We don't know. And you know, the the you know the some of the foundational rules have changed as a result of 2020 and and the pandemic and everything that's happened. So, mm-hmm. and we're not through changing. There there's still changes rolling. So we, you know, I mean, we've still got political issues and mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's getting ready to happen. Uh, I know the uh, Senate's getting ready to take up the issue of marriage, uh, of gay marriage again. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, there's one thing after the other. Every time you turn around, it's just that kind of world we live in. So it's really hard to just nail down, you know, just feel like, okay, we've got all this figured out. We don't. Uh, but we need leaders who will step up and say, well, I'm not sure always what's going but I'm going to lead this way. I'm going to go this direction. Right. and. Yeah. And, and you know, that was—I mean, certainly Paul and Titus didn't have a real book. They didn't have a work—I mean, Paul's writing the book here. Titus, you know, he's yeah. got—Timothy and Titus are great books on how to plant churches and how to grow churches and how to lead people. Uh, but they're writing the book. They didn't have a book either, you know, to, uh, to kind of guide their steps. So we had—you know, we, we, we're we walking in the same kind of footprints, I think, as they did. Yeah. But, and that's somewhat uh, encouraging. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how, yeah. So how can leaders— um, or, or not even. I mean, if there's people listening to this that may not even think of themselves as a leader, but mm-hmm. but we talked about on Sunday how you know everyone that has influence is a leader. But how can people help from different generations, generations each other, especially if it's not? Well, let me show you how I did it. Mm-hmm. Right. If, right. If if 2020 was a reset and a lot of those books, you know, are practical books are not. How can an older leader still help a younger leader when it's not, well, do this this way, A, B, C, and then how could a younger leader um, you know?
0: Well, you know, I see two kinds of arrogance uh, in in the generations right now. Number one, I see an arrogance of older people who think that if we would just go back and do it like we did it in the 50s and 60s, we would be okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I was in the 60s. It was not okay. Mm -hmm. And things were not going great. But we think, we idealize the past. We think, yeah. well, if you'll just do it this way, we just, and, I, and I've and i had people who have overtly said that to me. If we would just go back and do it the way we used to, mm-hmm. things would be so much better. Well, I don't think they would. Mm-hmm. And there's an arrogance in that statement that we had it all figured out and you guys messed it up, you know? And, and I don't believe that. The arrogance from... Your generation back is, you know, is, is the number of people who have bought into postmodernism, which basically means let's tear everything down. Yeah, but nobody's it. around that knows how to build anything back. You know, well, yeah. we, we, you know, we want to burn it to the ground because it's, you know, it's it's outdated, and we've got it's a new world. You know, I get that, but. You know, the reality is I don't see anybody that's stepping up going, hey, I got a better thing to put here. What I see when we build something back is we're just building the same thing back, you know, maybe with just a little bit of newer material, but it's yeah. it's just like this. Why do we tear it down? You know, because this is pretty much the same thing. So, you know, there's arrogance on both sides of the fence, and I think we have to lay down that that arrogance of going, I know the answer, you know, and, and rather than listening to somebody else tell us what the answer might be in, in their yeah. opinion— We just want to just tell them, well, this is the way we're going to do this, and there's no conversation to have. Now, I'd
2: like you to kind of, let's broaden the scope a little bit of the conversation, because we've been talking a lot about the church Mm -hmm. and pastoral leadership and somewhat cultural leadership. But I mean, so I do, you know, the Parent Life Mm -hmm. podcast as well. And I feel now that you say that, like there's a lot of parenting directives that we used to use and give out to parents Mm -hmm. pre-2020 that were helpful. And now it's like, okay, you've got to do something else different in your home, almost. Like, yeah. everything yeah. turned upside down. I mean, I'm the youngest pastor. i got the youngest kids. And what I saw, you know, your generation do to raise their kids, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. But the culture almost looks at me and says, no, you can't do that. And so I've had to get very creative. So, like, influence in the home, even, of being a leader in your home, and specifically even mm-hmm. let's let's just talk dads for a second, like, mm-hmm. What is Titus saying to somebody who's trying to lead in his home because he has influence over these kids? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and again, I think you know part of what I part of what I did lean into a little bit yesterday in the message was the idea of really kind of beginning to chip away at what is your mission with your child. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what really? And and we have, you know, when you when you, if you just go interview people as they walk out the door on Sunday, and say, what what is what are you, what are you going to what are you trying to do with your child? And you know, a lot of answers are I survive. I just want to, you know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I just want to live through it, you know. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's everything from, well, you know, we want to do well in school. We want to, you know, not be bullied. We want to be able to get on the, on the sports friends, team. We want to get a scholarship to college. And, 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 you know, and there is that finish line sense of, boy, if I can just get my kid in college, everything's going to be fine. Right.
2: You know? <laughs> that always works out.
0: And it used to be it's moved a little bit. You know, I mean, the, the, the finish line used to be get them out of high school. But now that's not, especially in our culture, that's not yeah. enough. No, you gotta, you gotta not only do that. That's great, but that's, you know, that's just a, you know, that, that's a, that's a penultimate ending. You know, you gotta get to the <laughs> ultimate, which is they're in college. Okay, now I'm done. Now I have parented. Now I have done that. I'm successful. When in reality, the child that you just sent to college may have absolutely no idea of what their mission in life is. Why are they, Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Oh, we never talked about that. I don't, know, you know. And so now, what do they do? They're they're going to college to figure that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we beat them up because they're making terrible mistakes and they're doing terrible things. Well, we didn't leave them. We we didn't tell them what they were doing there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just going here so you can get an education, get a job. You're, you're you know, there's there's some life formation happening when you're on a college campus. We're not preparing our children to walk into their schools. To walk into their into the high schools, into the colleges, and make a difference with their faith. That we're not we're not preparing them for that. That's that we don't see that as our mission as parents. That's my problem. That's the part yeah. the thing I struggle with because I think that is part of our mission as parents. Our mission is to help our children find their mission. My mission as a pastor. Is to help members of this church find their mission, you know, and and this is the reproductive process that we're to, we're to be in. I mean, that's part of what discipleship is about. Discipleship is about helping somebody walk into and, and live out their mission that God has called them to do. And this is what Paul did so well. Paul pulled people around him, and he and he helped them find their mission. And he said, "Okay, Titus." You're my hitman. You know, you're the you're the bulldog. You know, go get the you know go fix this, sicken, buddy, and and you know and and he and he, he used Titus in Crete. You know, as a as a you know howitzer,
2: he just sent him in and said, okay, go down and you know take care of this. i was just getting in mental images mm-hmm. of a pastor like you're the howitzer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go the, into the, the church the, the and just take howitzer. care of business. Like that's gonna.
0: <laughs> you need, <laughs> but you know what? You need you howitzer. need that guy, especially if you're a pastor like me. Now I don't know. I mean, so you're thinking about this. Let me just put you guys on the spot for a second. Are
2: you Titus or Timothy? What is your What is your gifting? What is your style? Uh, if I wanted to be spiritual, I'd say Timothy, but uh, it's probably a Titus. That's probably okay. my personality, in okay. all seriousness. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I was and I was thinking through this, um, you know, question even because you brought up, you know, our friend Neil and yourself, mm-hmm. and and you kind of contrasted the two Mm -hmm. of you you're the timothy Mm -hmm. soft-spoken you Mm -hmm. your words not mine Mm -hmm. and then uh neil um and again like you let's just have some fun i i liked it when he had his mustache because when it would start twitching i knew i had had a good idea if the if the mustache was just deadpan i knew that it was a bad idea and i should have never said it and then when he would shave his mustache Mm -hmm. then it was like oh no what do i do now yeah um so, yeah, I would
0: have to completely re-understand Neil after he on. I don't know. He, you know
2: <laughs> yeah, like, you, has gone. can you please on. grill your facial <laughs> hair back. Um, So you guys were kind of like the duo working hand-in-hand yeah, hand yeah, for years. Yeah. Um, but here you are, you've been the lead pastor as a Timothy personality mm-hmm. for 30 years almost now in this church. You know, how would we figure out, does the church need another Timothy or does it need another Titus kind yeah, of personality?
0: Yeah. That's... that's that's a really good question and a really big question because I think that's it actually simplifies the search process. If yeah. you think about that, yeah. if, if we decide, well, are we going to be better served? I mean, are you going to have a person? And, and again, my style brings a certain value and certain gifts to the table that are, that are important in churches, but the Titus style does too. And and sometimes churches need more of an organization. I, I'm a I'm a people person. I'm a people leader. There there are times that you need a leader who's an organizational leader who knows how to come in fix. Uh, let me think of a guy. Uh, Spike Hogan. Spike Hogan is a great type. He's a great organizational leader. He's the guy. Uh, if you want an organizational kind of guy, he is a he is that. He is my hero now. I look at him and go, yeah, he's the guy that can that can pull that kind of thing off. Uh, and they're just guys, that's their gifting, and that's great. I mean, that's as much of a calling as, as the calling to be a Timothy. You know, it's just yeah. it's just who he is, and yeah, I am who I am. Uh, you know, we would probably be dynamic on the staff together. You know, we could we could you know counterbalance because I need I need organizational help. I can't do that. I just don't do it well, uh, and I'm having to do more of it. You know, and and that's that's stressing me some because I just don't feel like this is my home when yeah. I'm doing that. I'm not at, I'm not in my in my wheelhouse. So I can pull it off, but I, I don't necessarily find a lot of. I don't get. I'm, there's no gratification in that for me. There's no. You know, I don't feel like I offer yeah, well, a that's, lot.
2: That's not your gifting, right? Yeah. And
0: and that's just what it is. So I I want to keep leaning back into. You know, send me to the hospital, send me into a counseling rooms. Let me go. Be. With it. I, I'm fine with that, but uh, but you know, having to do the other piece, I just I, I just lose you know lose focus on that. But Dan, how about you? How would you, how would well, you see yourself?
1: Um. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I was going to ask the question, you know, there's got to be more than just two types of pastors, right? It's not, not just a discussion. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. In, <laughs> the, Bible, in yeah. the Bible, there's yeah. just Timothy I mean, and yeah. I guess there's but, Paul. Give me Bible, you know, brother. Give me Bible. You know. um, is, is it? Yeah. <laughs> was you know, it? Philemon wasn't uh, a pastor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know,
2: Peter. Peter. You got Peter, you got Paul. If you want to be Peter or Paul, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to claim that title. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, that's a good point. Who, what was Paul? I don't know. What like, was Paul? I would say, especially given his pre-Jesus life, mm-hmm. he was probably a lot more akin to a Titus, where yeah. he's kind of the bully who walks into the room and can immediately. Come I do I don't see Titus
0: or uh, Tim, uh, Paul being the the warm fuzzy type. No. I just don't see that in. No. Paul. But uh, I mean, he was a lawyer. He was you know had all the uh, all the earmarkings of an institutional, organizational kind of guy. Um, I just don't seem having a lot of patience with you know just sitting around and. <laughs> yeah. But at the
2: same time, I see like a guy named you know Andrew, yeah, where he's yeah. just kind of hanging around, always having a good time, bringing yeah. people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's a good leadership style too. It's not me. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not yeah. who I am. Yeah. So. yeah.
0: Well, you know, I mean, well, we're all, and 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 granted, you're right. We're oversimplifying. It's over. It's an oversimplification that you are just this or that. But right. but the reality is, churches will respond better to. One style of the leadership, but and 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 again, both are needed. That's why you know okay. if, if you if I come in, uh, and and I'm your pastor, you better bring in an executive pastor who's a really good guy because I've got to have somebody that knows what they're doing, and you know deep in the weeds and that kind of stuff, you know, because I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna miss the mark on that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm comfortable. I mean, I'm not. That's not something I'm trying to fix. I'm comfortable being that. That's who I am.
2: Would you say but, that when you were uh, younger?
0: Uh. I would not have admit. I was too insecure <laughs> to admit it when I was younger. i you know, I've got less to lose now in admitting it. But I, you know, uh, but I know that about myself. I'm, I, and again, I used to, be, you know, I mean, I used to beat myself up about not being everything I wanted to be—an evangelist and a prophet and a, you know, and an apostle and a pastor tea. I wanted to be all of it, you know. And then I came to realize, you know, you're going to be one. You're going, you're going to, you know, pick one here. That's who you're going to be and And just kind of lean into that rather than trying to pick up all the traits of all the other ones, but it's more challenging when you're in a single pastor church, you're in a one horse kind of a situation, and you've got to be everything yeah and I, and that's what I spent you know ten eleven years doing, and that was that was tough because I had to do things, and I didn't do things well that I needed to do and and I you know I dropped the ball on things because I just didn't know where the ball was so uh So that's a struggle. So you know, anyway,
1: I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that can be for our listeners. I mean, that can be true in families as well. You know that uh, you know a lot of times husbands and wives have different personalities, Mm -hmm. but sometimes they're single parent situations where they're having to kind of wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you know who you are and you understand your mission, like we're talking about in this part of the passage that. Um, you do have weaknesses. every Every leader has strengths and weaknesses. it's It's not a matter of um, you don't have weaknesses. Yeah. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to admit them. but how do
0: you how do we assess and I'm asking a real question. How do we assess what the church needs right now? Mm-hmm. How do we make that determination? Does the church and that need you know and that's, and,
1: and that's where I was going to push back on yeah. the whole idea of does the church need a Titus because we've had a Timothy for thirty years? You know, I'm just one of those people that's like, and I, I, maybe I'm being a little too spiritual or mystic about it, but it's like, try to figure out who the man is that, that God wants, mm-hmm. and I believe that his strengths and weaknesses are going to be what the church needs in that moment. I, mm-hmm. I know that's hard when you're trying to say, okay, well, how do we pick or how do we narrow down a list? Um, you know, but... Well, I, I think
0: the tendency is always going to be to—you you, you want to go back to what you've had. Well, we've always had mm-hmm. this, and therefore, right. you know, it's—you you kind of, when you start looking, you just look for, well, let's just do this again because yeah. we, we're comfortable with this and know this. And I think that in itself may— you know, may be a problem in terms of overlooking
1: right.
0: a guy that may be very different in his gifting, but yeah. but that may be the guy that we need right now. You know, yeah. but we don't because
1: it's he's different. So
0: yeah. I don't know. It's it's I, a struggle. It's I, a struggle, I, I, you know. I see that. I see yeah, where yeah.
1: you know some of us that are part of the church can say, well, where do we see the church going over the next 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years? What what are some of the challenges that we have mm-hmm. currently? Where where have been some things that you've been able to carry us to this point, but, but what are the things going forward? And I do think thinking ahead to what this leader needs to be and, and him being gifted and strong in some areas that we need a leader to be strong in would be important based on where we're at and where we feel like the Lord is, you know, leading us to go. That that involves culture, community, um, current you know uh, church culture and and where we are as a church and again maybe we don't have all the answers yeah. ultimately god knows where we need to be five years 10 years 20 years from now but i think those of us that are honest can can see where there are some areas of our church that need to be strengthened and yeah. we need to yeah. grow in mm-hmm. and maybe finding a leader that has strengths in those areas with yeah and i mean to, to use
2: the 2020 reminder again like you know in 2019 we probably would have had a slightly different conversation oh, I think so yeah. as to what yeah, our needs yeah. were um, and I'd like to even you know your cautionary reminder on Sunday talk, uh, of Paul was named Saul and it was the reminder mm-hmm. of King Saul mm-hmm. and he was the guy that Israel wanted mm-hmm. and yeah. he ended up being yeah. the worst king that yeah. they could have yeah. ever imagined yeah. and, or, or I think of even when Samuel goes into Jesse's house and mm-hmm. he says, "Oh this son's it, nope, mm-hmm. that's not the one this son's it, nope, that's not the one And he has to go find the shepherd boy who's too young to even rule. And he's like, certainly it's not this guy, but yet it was. So, you know, we I think we do need to be mindful that God can put whatever kind of leader he wants here mm-hmm. so long as he's the one who put him
1: here. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And I, well, that's, I don't want to get out of my lane on that. But, I you know, I, I think uh, um, we need to keep reminding ourselves, you know, I mean, the things that we'll look for, you know, I mean, we have, even though we may not be able to articulate it, most people have at least an outline in their mind of who the next guy's going to be, what he's going to look like, yeah. mm-hmm. and and then if the next guy that stands up that that the committee chooses to bring, uh, in in that outline they're just going to go no that's I thought he'd be taller or this mm-hmm. or that or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you know but here's you know here's this really great warning in the Old Testament about you know hey. You better, you better look at more than just what they look like on the outside. And we yeah. tend to want to do, you know, what I don't want, I don't want this to become, a, you know, kind of the America's got talent for, mm-hmm. you know, for churches uh, in terms of a search. You know, that's not how we do this. So. But, but let me, let me, can I segue? Are we, yeah. are we yeah. okay? Yeah. You guys okay with it's your that? your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me move us into a different conversation. I want to go back to the statement that I made, and that is that, um, there is a leadership crisis. In, yeah. And uh, last week, Barna George Barna dropped a couple of grenades yeah. uh, in the conversation, one being, a simple one being, uh, that the number of Americans who now claim to believe in God has declined precipitously since 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen an incredible drop of... of um, the number of people in America who claim to even believe in God now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's commiserate with the rise of the nuns and that kind of thing. But, but that's not even the one I want to talk about. I, I want to talk about um, his report on—they they do a thing every year called the American Worldview Inventory. Mm-hmm. And the 2022 inventory was really shocking. He, he, uh, they, they, do, they ask about three dozen, you know, four dozen questions— of pastors, they interviewed a thousand pastors, cross denominational lines, cross you know, cultural lines, and and let me just let me just read some highlights. And I just want you to hear these things. Uh, of that number, one third or more of senior pastors surveyed believe the Holy Spirit is not a person, but is rather a symbol of God's power. Some of them said that moral truth is subjective, sexual relations between two unmarried people who love each other is morally acceptable, and the biblical teaching on abortion is ambiguous. Um, The data reported, and uh, earlier this year, found 37% of Christian pastors have a biblical worldview, meaning... They believe God created everything. Hmm. They believe that mankind's greatest problem is sin, that the solution to mankind's greatest problem is redemption in Jesus Christ, and that Jesus is coming again, and we have heaven to go to, those kind of things. Don't believe. 37%. 37% have a a biblical. So 37 out of 100 have a biblical worldview. Two-thirds don't. Yeah. They do not believe. One of those four components, so pick one. Mm-hmm. Either God did not create mankind's biggest problem, there's a bigger problem than sin for mankind. There's a solution to man's problem greater than Jesus, and that we're not sure what happens after
2: mm-hmm.
0: after death. So you've got pastors, these are senior pastors in churches, leading churches
2: mm-hmm.
0: that are that are answering these questions. Let me read a few more. Uh, And I'll stay away from even some of the more politically tinged ones just to not change the conversation too much. Uh, Three in ten pastors who claim to be evangelical pastors, 30%, do not believe that salvation is based on confessing sin and accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, let me say that again. Evangelical pastors. Evangelical, yeah. These are guys that are out sharing their faith or claim to be or claim to be associated with an evangelical movement. Do not believe that salvation is simply from trusting Jesus Christ and him alone. I just, I am really struggling. How do you, how do you, why do you even want to lead Hmm. a church if that's what, you know, if that's where you, if you, you know, these moral issues are not, are, are not you know oh well, I don't you know you want to sleep together sleep together if you love each other that's great you know it's we're giving away all these things and, and it's some of this is just in the name of making ourselves more palatable to the world um, Some of it is is really just well in fact Barna in, in you know the other piece of this that hit me hard it concludes and says Barna noted that of the 1,000 pastors interviewed, most of them had no consistent spiritual practice. They didn't pray. They didn't do personal Bible study. They didn't do confession. They didn't do spiritual reading. No spiritual discipline, zero, were part of their lives.
1: Well, I think this goes back to exactly what you said in the message, right? That there's a leadership crisis. Yeah. So the question that comes to my mind when you read some of those things are um, have the statistics in the past been falsely elevated to where maybe in a previous generation it was, uh, you know, more acceptable to toe the line when it comes to some of those things. And now in our current culture where everyone's, you know, can kind of make their own truth that these pastors answering these survey questions can feel more open to be honest?
0: Well, I don't, you, know, you, th- think- are, uh, you know, these I, are, I, you know, because I've done some Barna stuff before. And it's, and it's very, I mean, they, they do not reveal identity. I mean, mm, they, I they, check your, they check your background, your background, know, where you're, right. you know, what kind of church you're in, et cetera. But they don't necessarily, I mean, they, they, it's not like anybody would ever know. Yeah. That if Jason answered those questions, they wouldn't sure. know Jason did. He well, may I, have. I, you know. Yeah. What so I was getting, I, I guess, what I was getting to
1: was <laughs> I'm not important enough <laughs> for that survey. Yeah, and not not that they <laughs> they answered them wrongly before, yeah. but that um, I, I guess just in today's culture, with with a void of leadership, with with people not really. Being sure what they believe and why they believe it, they they mold to the majority or they they mold to what they think other people want to hear. That's that's but what comes to my mind. The, the evangelical movement
2: is not that old; it's it's within you know two hundred years old. Like it, it wasn't something that's been out there. The denominations that yeah. comprise the evangelical movement they're old, but mm. like an evangelical movement was more of an ecumenical thing of saying, hey, these denominations we affirm exactly what you just said. Mm -hmm. So for the pastor then to say, well, I don't affirm the basic beliefs that define an evangelical, then they're essentially saying they're not an evangelical. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes, you know, we're seeing this not just about evangelicals, but like all throughout our culture is that I identify as whatever I please today, Mm -hmm. whether I actually hold to the beliefs or not. And so to go back and say, like, you know, were they falsely reporting? Like, maybe but it wasn't that long ago for them to be doing that. Um, and, and that's what we were kind of talking about, you know, the generational differences. Like, man, I can not even think when I was a kid, I would have I never even thought that evangelical pastors felt that way. Like, that's kind of what makes you an evangelical. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be an evangelical, then don't call yourself that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I'm, I don't know, like, I'm not, unfortunately, I'm not shocked by it. That's the worst part, um, especially as I have gotten to know more and more of the younger pastors that are now leading. um, Because, honestly, being a pastor that makes it to your age from your generation is becoming pretty slim. Not a lot of guys make it that long uh, anymore. And so it's being filled in by a bunch of younger guys, and they're not theologically sound. They don't have, you know, biblical foundations. And so, I mean, now granted, I would say that, like, by and large, these guys probably weren't all SBC. There was some. No, no, there were some what, SBC that, that, right. guys that's in what there. I mean, right, and we don't but, know that. Yeah, yeah we don't but the know SBC, that. I, mean, I
1: would say, would definitely be a much better yeah. percentage than yeah. that. But um, I'd also, I'd also warn you and our listeners. Like, we always want to assume that, right? When we hear statistics like that, we're like, "Well, those must be mm-hmm. the other churches. Mm-hmm. Those must be the other dominations." When it's probably closer. Mm-hmm to home than we want to admit it yeah. or, or realize it and again i just i think it's a, honestly i just think it's a lack of leadership and a lack of backbone of saying this is who i am this is what my purpose and mission is like i know that god's placed me on this earth to be this pastor this group this people um and and i just feel like a lot of these pastors that answered those questions in that survey i just i just feel like they're they're being so, tossed so, yeah. so to read, and fro so, so by read, every wind of doctrine. So read
0: their minds. How do you how do you how do you get to that point? I mean, number one, why do you want to be a pastor? pastor. Right. If if you don't believe the basic tenets of the faith, <laughs> I don't know. Why do you want to do this? Because <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking, man, you know, I mean, it's not that, you know, I mean, it's it's certainly it's for the money. That's uh, the money. maybe, no, maybe. Yeah. but it, you know, most you're not going to get rich in most churches no. as a pastor. So I'm just thinking, why? Are you even doing this? If you don't believe these things or if, if you know, if the things that you're reading, you just think, well, this is just mythology, then, man, go to college and teach mythology. You know, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Probably make more money. But if that's what you're about. But I just, uh, I, I'm just mystified. How I mean, it, it, at the same time, when I read this, it explained a lot to me in terms of the explosion. Let me Let me go back to the illustration that I used yesterday, you know. One of, one of the problems that I have with with the way our culture operates today, and I'm not going to name names, but one of the problems one of the problems I have, and it sounds like, if I was younger and still hungry and worried about you know advancing myself in the in the church world, I'd I'd be careful with this, but you know, one of the problems that I have when I see us, we f- we find a guy, or anymore a girl that is you know they can speak they can talk you know they're really Mm -hmm. good communicators and boy people will buy their stuff or they'll you know ask them to come to events or whatever and we put them on these platforms we put them on higher and higher and higher platform
2: Yeah.
0: without telling them you know that when you get to the top of this platform there's really no room up there Mm -hmm. it's not like it gets wider and wider as you go higher it gets more and more narrow yeah and so just a little wind can knock you off. You know, it didn't take much for you to, to miss it. And we're seeing these people destroyed, literally. They get on these platforms. And it's not always them doing it for themselves. I mean, just people are coming. Saying, oh, you're yeah. great. Why don't you do yeah. this? Or you're great. You know, you just you kind of buy your own press. You know, you kind of go, oh, well, oh, they think I'm wonderful. So, you know, so you start climbing the ladder and you climb the platform uh, without ever finding out are they, you know, do they really believe what they say they believe? Are they really secure in their faith? Are they really solid in their faith? Or do they just know how to say some things in a really appealing, clever, pleasing way, and we want to listen to them, even though inside that may not be true of their life? See, I'm just thinking as I read this, I'm thinking, I wonder how many of the churches that these people pastor know these things about them. Yeah.
2: You, know? you know, like, so Dan, uh, for all of our listeners, Dan and I, we have a unique uh, outlook into this because we're both pastor's kids. Our dads are pastors and have been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad, I remember telling me a long time ago, uh, probably at a very important time for me to hear this. I would even say that. <laughs> Uh, he says the worst thing that ever happened to American pastors was the rise of the celebrity pastor, yeah. mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you could have your own platform and selling your own books mm-hmm. and selling your own materials. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that all those things are necessarily wrong, um, but it, like you said, it does elevate a pastor to a platform in our culture that is a very dangerous position yeah. to be in.
0: Well, and again, the, and, and the, the other piece of this is that the higher you get, the more air pressure begins to... Collapse in on you know you get really high and the pressure is great and you better have you know you you better be compensating on the inside for the pressure that's coming around you on the outside and that's what happens and 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 i just think people they're not ready for the pressure that they're going to feel they're not ready to be on a platform that's so small i mean this this table i could stand on this table right now and be fine but you put it 300 feet in the air hmm, that's a pretty small table to, to be standing on you know and, um, but isn't,
1: isn't a true test of, of a leader, um, what they do in those hard times? Well, it is, but,
0: but again, I think what we do is we platform people before they've had the hard times to deal with. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't trust many guys that have not been broken yet.
1: Yeah.
0: When, when yeah. they have gone through a personal time of being broken and they've come out on the other side of it and their faith is still intact i want to hear from that guy yeah. well their their yeah. popularity exceeded their character yeah something yeah. like that yeah but. they didn't and i don't want to i don't want to i mean the, the people that you know that i could name are people that i that i i mean i've read their books i've listened to their stuff i'm not you know i'm not a- against them but it's just it worries me when i see them I'm going.
1: oh man yeah you know,
0: here we go again <laughs> we're getting ready to blow somebody up again and uh, I just think we we're just destroying, just like well, it happens in the sports world too, I guess. But it, mm-hmm. I think we're doing that. But uh, you know, I want to go back. This this is so important. What what has really become, and in, in the latter years of my ministry, what has become so significant to me, are the number of guys who don't take care of their own soul, who do not pay attention to what is going on inside of me. In this, for for the sake of taking care of other people's souls. Mm-hmm for the sake of taking care of other people's spiritual needs, neglect your own versus do you understand that you are under such pressure and under such scrutiny by the enemy and you'll be under such attack by the enemy that if you don't keep your house in order internally, he's going to destroy you. He will destroy you and maybe your family too, but he's going to take you down. And and when I see this, it's, I just shuddered when I read that last part. I mean, as much as all the other statistics just went, wow, that's crazy. That last statement. Yeah. These guys, the thing they had in common, they have no spiritual. They don't take care of their own soul. They have no spiritual disciplines. No, no prayer life. No regular pattern of reading scripture. No, no, no input on their own other than studying for sermon. You know, I tell pastors all the time, listen, God, it's all the only time you ever read the Bible is to study the first sermon. You're not studying the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are not studying the Bible. I won't let myself read when I'm doing, you know, I'm doing Titus. If I was doing a read, you know, I read the Bible and, and I do one, but if I was in a plan right now that was going through Titus, I wouldn't read Titus right now because I'm going, I don't want to read that, you know, I don't want to overlap that. I want to, I want to read. In a different place than the place that I'm preaching from at this time. It's not that I don't want to read through Titus at some point, but I sure. do it more study than, than the, you know. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to go. I want to be authentic with. I, I want to. St- I need to study the Bible because I need to study the Bible, not because I get paid to do that and to preach it. I want to study the Bible because I need the Word. I need to be in the Word. I need it in my life. and need it, you know, uh, giving strength in my heart. And and if and if I'm not doing that, I'm Pretty much hypocrite anyway, sure. but uh,
1: do you see that at all in in Paul and Titus here? I mean, I mean they both uh, we, as far as we know, were were strong in their personal devotion mm-hmm. time. But as as we know, this letter was written to Titus towards the end of Paul's life, mm-hmm. right? Do we, you know, are we going to see that later on in this book where Paul really warns Titus? As a younger pastor? To well,
0: there's a lot of warnings in Titus as far as false teaching and, and those kinds of situations. But so, I mean, there's a presumption that, you know, you better know the truth if you're going to be able to deal with the false teaching. <laughs> You've got to know what the true and false yeah. is. So uh, that's that's part of it. And, and uh, so I think, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some of that. In this, but we don't really get a like a personal glimpse of you know them sitting by candlelight reading the Bible together that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. we really don't have that kind of yeah. picture. But but I mean, you got to think you see what the output of their lives and seeing the kind of stuff they're doing. I'm going, man, God is at work in that. And
1: well, I guess then you know just then what we're talking about with these pastors in the survey. Fathers in the home, everything that we've talked about today, um, you, you have uh, a, a presumption of leadership in many of these cases, a, a position of leadership, and then the the veritas, the the internal strength and foundation of of who the leader really is. Yeah, the quality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and they have to
0: match, and that's and really this is where you know we we lead. You know, we need to be able to lead with moral authority. Yeah. We need to be able, and by that I mean the influence that we're trying to exert needs to be something that we're authentic with inside of ourselves. And that in itself, even though it's not overt, it gives it gives impact and power to the things we're saying. You know, I, I tell guys that when I'm leading stewardship conferences, you know, if you're not giving, don't preach on giving. Mm-hmm. Because people, are, people know. Yeah. I mean, you know, they may not know how they know, but they know, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't mean anything to you. This is not real to you. This is not uh, genuine to you. So just, you know, but, but if you give, you have some more authority. Now, okay, I can talk about giving. You know, I hear all these guys say, well, I don't preach on tithing anymore. I say, because you don't tithe, do you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, mm. if you tithe, I bet you'd preach on it. That's, right. <laughs> that's if, right. You know, and uh, this is the pushback that I get from people. Well, I don't believe in tithing. Well, that's because you don't tithe. And if you tithe, you would probably start believing in it. But anyway, that's a different, that's a whole different yeah. conversation. He'll and we're out up. of time for today. So let me, uh, let me wrap us up. And uh, guys, thank you all. It's been good to have you guys. And nice to... Uh, uh, have this conversation with you today. I hope it's uh, been beneficial to folks listening. And I know it's helped me to say some things out loud that I didn't have time to say yesterday. And hopefully you got some things out in the open that you wanted to as well. But we'll we'll continue this on next week. So uh, be looking for the for the next installment after this one. So thank you for being here. Can I pray for us as we wrap us up? Father, we're thankful for the day and the time that we've had together, and we thank you for all the folks listening, those who will be uh, hearing and processing through the things that we've talked about today as well, and I pray that you'll guide our lives, that all of us might be uh, effective in our leadership and our influence, and uh, Lord, in the days ahead that you will guide Fruit Cove as we continue to uh, lean into this decision about new leadership and how that's going to look and how that's going to work out. We just trust you for every step of that. And we thank you for your love. Thank you for these guys and their leadership in our church as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for joining us today.